So we've been in this series, Encounters, and this morning we're going to focus on Jesus' encounter with this rich young ruler. And we're going to be in Mark 10, verses 17 through 31. It's on page 1056, if you're using the Bible, it's provided. It should be 1056. But Mark 10, verses 17 through 31, and in your Bible it might say rich young man, but you'll hear me refer to him a lot times as the rich young ruler, because in Luke 18 we also learn that this man was a ruler. So you will refer me hear me refer to him a lot. But that's where we're going to be camped out in a lot. The whole time basically is in Mark 10 this morning. But as you turn there, I want to get your minds going and get your get you involved here a little bit. I'm looking for a little bit of participation here at the beginning. Um, very simple questions as you're turning there. I want to ask, who in here likes puzzles? Who likes a puzzle? Exactly what I thought. Actually, that whole half does and that whole half does. No, okay, I see a couple. So some like puzzles and some don't. Who likes change? Who welcomes change? Some people welcome change. Some don't like any change, right? There's a few, yeah, a few people like change, few don't. So we're not in the same boat there. Who likes excitement? Who likes, yeah, there's, uh, you I really like excitement. She hurts her and raised quick. But yeah, some like excitement and some don't, you know, it's like it gives some anxiety. So you can see we're not in the same boat there. And when I think of puzzles and I think of change and I think of excitement, I think of an escape room. Who knows what an escape room is? Yeah, most people. Those who don't, listen to me just for a moment, you'll jump right in here and see what I'm saying. But I had the opportunity to go to my first escape room ever. The real, a real escape room I went to a few weeks ago with my family and one other family. And in this escape room, it's nothing but puzzles. It's nothing but change, constant change. And it's very exciting. See, because with an escape room, you're trapped. And you need help to get out. You can't get out on your own. It's, it, I don't know if anybody that's got out. I asked the guy when we left, has anybody got out on their own? He said, no. Everybody's needed help. They need, they've needed a clue to get out. So you feel trapped, and it's puzzling, it's changing, it's exciting. But three main things with an escape room stuck out to me. One is time was running out. It's urgent. And as you're in there, time is running out. It's a very urgent matter. And while you're in there, you don't know the way out. And there's only one way out. So time is running out. There's one way out. And there always feels like something's missing. The whole time you feel like something is missing. Well, this rich young ruler we're going to talk about this morning, he can relate to that. Can you relate to that? Do you ever feel like your life is like that? Do you feel trapped? Do you feel like you need help? Do you feel urgent like time is running out at times? Yeah, we can relate to that. And we need help. And there's only one way out into eternal life, and it's Jesus Christ. One way out of the escape room, one way into eternal life, and it's Jesus Christ. See, we can go through life and always feel like something is missing at times. And that's what we're going to see with this rich young ruler. He felt like something was missing in his life. And it was an urgent matter to him. The approach we're going to take this morning, if you have your notes, there's a bunch of, bunch of fill-ins there this morning, a bunch of truths, more than usual. But that's intentional, because that's almost the outline for my sermon. I gave you that intentionally this morning to be a little different, because there's so much here. And God put seven truths on my heart that I don't want us to miss this morning. We may actually run a few minutes over this morning, and that's okay. I didn't realize we were going to spend three minutes and 40 seconds just saying thankful to our fathers. I mean, come on, who love, we love them that much, you know? Yeah, but so we might go a couple minutes over, but that's okay. We're here for God and his word. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to have these seven, these seven truths, the seven approaches to it that we're going to draw out. But it's also going to be like an evangelistic approach this morning, because we're going to draw so much of the gospel of Jesus Christ right out of this encounter 
with this ruler. And I want you to be looking at both sides of this. Look at Jesus as we walk through this and look at the rich young ruler. Think of your life and how you relate to the rich young ruler because you will in many ways. And think of your life and how you need to share the gospel like Jesus Christ. So look at both. As we get into this, it's two very important things we need to realize. One, we need to get familiar with the rich young ruler for a moment because it helps understand this encounter. And then we need to set the scene and kind of just know a little bit of the context of what's going on here. Well, this rich young ruler was a man who had, he had manners. We're going to see that. He kneels to Jesus. He had morals. He was a very religious man. We'll see. He kept the command. He kept many commands. He, he, he had morals. And he had money. He had all three of those big M's. He had manners, morals, and money, yet he was missing the main mark. He was missing something in his life. See, he was asking the right question, we're going to see, to the right person. Pastor Jesse said last week in his sermon, many I don't know if any of you had the opportunity to hear that, but he said his, one of his points was, are we asking the right questions? Well, this man is asking the right question to the right person, but we'll see he has the wrong response. That's who we're dealing with, a religious man. He's a ruler. Most think he was a leader in the synagogue. So he knew the commands. He lived a strict life. Thought he was righteous. Thought he had it right. Thought he was good. That's who we're dealing with. And Jesus just got done, just finished teaching about divorce. And they start bringing these children to him. And his disciples don't like that. And they think it's almost a disturbance. And it's it's annoying that they're bringing the children. They want to see Jesus and come to him and touch him and be with him. And Jesus says, let them come. Matter of fact, you need to be like them. Because if you don't receive the kingdom of God like a child, like these children, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So not only do you need to let them come to me, you need to be like these children. So Jesus just got done saying all of these, and he's just getting ready to set on his journey to Jerusalem. And that's when this rich young ruler comes into the picture. You'll see it right in verse 17 as we start. That gets us right to where we're going to start reading. It's going to be quite a bit of reading, but follow along and really walk through this and be thinking of what I said. Look at Jesus in your life, how Jesus is approaching this man. And look at this rich young ruler and how you can relate to so much in this encounter. Starting in verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel 
who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. So there's a lot there. And we're going to jump right in and start start drawing out these truths this morning. And the first truth that I want to bring up this morning and draw out here is the reason. I want to talk about the reason for a moment. See, the reason for this encounter is we live in a world that has an urgent need to learn how to inherit eternal life. We live in a world that has an urgent need to learn how to inherit eternal life. It was true then and it's true now. See, this rich young ruler needed the answer to that question, that most important question, how do I inherit eternal life? He was asking that so important question, and it was urgent to him. He was missing something. He ran and he knelt to Jesus. He had those manners. He knelt to him, but he knew something was missing in his life. What do I have to do to inherit this eternal life, he was asking. It was so important. We can relate to that reason. If you're my brother or sister in here in Christ, you know There was a day in your life when you needed to know the answer to that question. The most important question ever in this world is that. You needed to ask it so you can relate to it. It's so important. And if you're in here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ, you are are in the exact same boat as this rich young ruler because you need to know that answer. Why? Why do I say that? Because Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's a big word, that all. It's three letters and a huge word. Every one of us, we're in a different boat when I ask about excitement and change change and puzzles. We're in the same boat when it comes to a need for a Savior, a need for Jesus Christ. Because we've all sinned and we've all fallen short. But there's good news that goes with that, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Those of us who believe in Jesus, we can run just like He did. We can kneel just like He did. But we can run and kneel because we know the answer to that question. We run in thanks and praise. We know who Jesus is. We recognize Him for who He is. That brings us right to the second truth this morning. I want to talk about the recognition. You'll see recognition. People must truly know Jesus for who He is and what He has done. People must truly know Jesus for who He is and what He has done. I want to read verse 18. It says, And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And I love this. I love how Jesus goes to the good here and not the teacher. See, you notice that man called him good teacher. He didn't recognize Jesus for who he truly is. And Jesus don't focus on the teacher. He focuses on the good here. And I love this because there's, uh, for a couple main reasons, I like this. One, he's going to let this rich young ruler know that you're, he's not good. You're not good, rich young ruler. Nobody is good except God alone. And he's also going to kind of give him, he wants to kind of prod him into, do you recognize who I am here? Notice he says, good, only God is good. So wait a minute here, by process of elimination, you're calling me good, only God is good. Are you calling me God? Are you recognizing me for who I am? Do you see me as the son of God? Do you see me as God in the flesh? Do you see me as the way, the Savior? Is that who you see me as? Because Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. He wants this man to recognize him for who he is, truly. And that man didn't recognize him. Those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, we do. We know Jesus Christ is not just a teacher. See, this world that we live in today, they don't recognize Jesus for who he truly is. 
That's why we need to speak Jesus. We need to speak victory in Jesus, like we sang this morning. Because we do know who Jesus is, and the world don't. See, there's people that say they believe in God, but not Jesus. There's people that think Jesus was a a prophet and, and a good teacher, like this man did. They're missing the mark of who Jesus truly is. This man was missing the mark. Completely missing the mark. Our world is just like that. And when it comes to salvation, see, remember, we're talking about salvation here and inheriting eternal life. And when it comes to salvation, that is a must for, to recognize Jesus for who He truly is. Let's move on to our third truth. It's going to be in verse 20. We're going to talk about righteousness for a moment. See, you notice in verse 20, what does this man say to Jesus? He says, and he said him, teacher, All these I have kept from my youth. That's his response to Jesus to what? In verse 19, you'll see all these commandments Jesus spoke to him. He knew who he was dealing with here. He knew his heart. He knew that this man was self-righteous. Thought he was doing it on his own, with his own strength. He was performing. Why? Look in 17. It says, what must I do to inherit a life? Inherit eternal life. Look in verse 20. It says, I have done all these things. It was self-righteousness. He was seeking self, not seeking Jesus Christ, not seeking his strength. Jesus knew exactly who he was dealing with here. And notice the commandments. Notice every single one of them is a person-to-person, a horizontal relationship, me to you, a horizontal level. He didn't even bring up the tablet that had the person to God, the vertical commandments. None of them are in there. This is just the person-to-person because he knew this man. He knew he would think, I haven't murdered, I haven't stolen. I've done all these things. Go ask them. You you see, it's proof. I've done it. I'm right. I'm good. What else do I need to do to inherit eternal life? I'm righteous. I'm good. See, he had the wrong understanding of this. Because righteousness, and the point beside it, is only God sets the standard for good, and the standard is perfection. See, God went to the good with this man because he wasn't good. Only God is good. Jesus told him that, right? Only God sets a standard for good, and it is perfection. Romans 10.3 says, For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. That's this man. That's exactly what he's doing. He's seeking his own righteousness. It's about self for him. Seeking his own. See, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to eternal life, because that's what we're talking about here, salvation or eternal life, when it comes to that, it's God's plan. And God's plan is Jesus Christ. God paid the price, and the price is His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's God's way to believe in Jesus Christ. See, you notice every single one of them involves Jesus Christ. And if Christ isn't in it, it's just nice. It's just a nice deed. It's just good, the way we see good. If I don't have Christ, it's just nice. I want you to picture two two miles of dominoes, okay? One line here and one line here, Okay? miles of dominoes. Every one of those dominoes is a good deed. It's something nice that this man did or something nice that you know as somebody that they do. It's nice. And at the end of that line of dominoes, I want you to see it going straight to hell because that's what it does. Without Christ, it still goes straight to hell. You might as well flick the first domino and let them all fall because they're letting you fall right into hell when you don't believe in Jesus Christ. It's the truth and it's hard for us to grasp that at times. Well, not us who believe in Jesus Christ. We completely understand that. But the world we live in, don't. Because it just seems so opposite to the way the world thinks. 
Because see, we don't do it out of duty. You do it out of love. The, the difference is he did things out of self. He did things to please people. He did things by his own strength. He did nice things. He had morals. But see, we're here to glorify God in all we do. All we do. And you're not going to glorify God if God isn't in it. And in everything you do, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, Christ must be in it. The difference is every deed you do isn't out of duty. It's out of love. Every duty you do isn't out of self-strength. It's out of the strength of God. And every deed you do is to point to Jesus Christ, and He is in it and all over it and through it. And at the end of that line of dominoes, it leads to heaven because Jesus Christ was in it all the way through. Such an important truth, righteousness. The righteousness of God versus the righteousness of self. A big difference. And God wanted him to see that. The fourth truth this morning is the realization. You'll see realization that we don't earn our salvation. Kind of what we're talking about right now, right? We don't earn our salvation. It stays right in verse 20. He said, I have done all these things. I've done all these things from my youth. See, when, it's not, when it comes to salvation, it's not what. It's who. It's not what you do. It's who you do it for. It's why you do it. I want to look at Titus 3, 5. I'll read it to you. It says, He saved us not because of works done by us and righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Say that first part again. He saved us not because of works done by us and righteousness. That's exactly what we're talking about right now. And that so goes against the grain to how this world thinks. Why? Think of your life. Think of your job. How did you get promoted? Hard work. How did you get a raise? Hard work. We've heard the saying, work pays off. Hard work pays off. And it does. But when it comes to eternal life and salvation, your work is like filthy rags when they don't have Jesus Christ in them. I found this so interesting as I was going through this. Actually, this stat blew my mind, okay? This God standard of perfection like we talked about in righteousness and not earning our own. This blew my mind. Did you know that over 90% of people when they're evangelized to, over 90% don't necessarily say there is no God. They don't necessarily say there is no heaven. When asked this question, why should God let you into heaven? They don't say there is no God, usually. They don't say there is no heaven. They say because I'm good. They say because I'm a good person. Because they're nice. See, it seems so opposite, but they don't, you don't, they don't have the proper perspective of what good is. And no one is good except God alone. That's Jesus' words. They can't be debated and they can't be argued. It's truth. It's hard for the world to see it at times, but it's truth. It's speaking Jesus. And sometimes people don't like that. They get offended. They get mad. Maybe somebody's in here this morning and you don't, you don't like hearing that. It stings a little bit. Well, maybe if it's stinging you, it'll impact you. Maybe you'll remember the day. Maybe you'll remember the words and maybe God will do something in your heart with them this morning because they're spoken out of love. The fifth truth I want to draw this morning is requirement. A requirement. A person must completely believe, trust, and surrender to Jesus. A person must completely believe, trust, and surrender to Jesus. And we're going to draw that out of verse 21. See, verse 21 says, and Jesus, look at him, loved him. This man was loved. If you're in here this morning, you are loved by Jesus. And he said, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And you have treasure in heaven right here. And come, follow me. 
That's what Jesus said. Come follow me. Romans 10.9 says, because if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He wants belief. He wants trust. He wants surrender to him. See, it's not the material possessions that sends the man to hell. That's not what it is. That if you think that you're missing the mark. See, the, be, having things in life is not the problem. The problem is unbelief. The problem is unbelief in Jesus. That's the problem. It's full surrender. See, he didn't want his material. He didn't want his possessions. He didn't need those. He wanted this man's heart. And if I were to ask you right now in this room, who wants 100% of Jesus in your life? Everybody would raise their hand instantly, right? No problem there. I want 100% of Jesus. Well, then isn't it okay to say that Jesus wants 100% of you? There's nothing wrong with saying that. And sometimes I give 90%. Sometimes I give 50 Sometimes I probably give 10% of Jesus in my life. Praise God, he knows my heart, my repentance, and I'm forgiven. Jesus wanted this man's heart. That's what it was about. Notice in Romans 10, 9, what did I say? Believe with your heart. That's what Jesus is after, is the heart. Now you in here this morning, my brothers, my sisters, those that don't know Jesus Christ, how I said at the beginning, pay attention to both of these. You can relate to the rich young ruler here. You have a spot. We're not good in the eyes of God. He sees us through Christ. Thank goodness for that. Because we're not good without Christ by any means. And we still have those spots. I call it the sour spot. You have a spot in your heart right now that comes before Christ that you don't fully surrender to Jesus at times like He wants, like He requires. I want you to be thinking about what that spot is this morning. And at the end... We're going to spend a moment and reflect. I want to take that to Jesus this morning because it's that important to be intentional this morning and recognize that and realize that. Your spot, what do you put before Jesus Christ from 100% surrender in your life right now? Because that's what Jesus wants is the heart. Then the response in the very next verse, verse 22. The man went away. He went away sorrowful. He had the wrong response to the right question. He heard Jesus' words, but he didn't trust and obey. And that's the, that's the point. Don't go away. You must stay and trust and obey. If you're in here this morning, you didn't go away. You stayed and you stay connected to Jesus. You abide in Him. He abides in you. You trust and obey. obey. I love the words of that song, Oh, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I love that. See, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you trust and you obey, not out of duty, out of love, because you want to bring God glory. This man missed it. John 5, 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He, hear, he heard the word of Jesus. He didn't believe. He didn't surrender. He didn't follow him. He had the wrong response. And if you're in here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm telling you now, Stay. Stay. If there's a conviction on your heart right now and a calling inside you, don't go away, sad. Don't go away at all. Stay and trust and obey. Believe in Jesus Christ this morning. At the very end, when I close in prayer, I'll just tell you now, if you're thinking about it and God's convicting you right now, as I'm praying, you come forward. You come forward this morning, right here. And when I'm done praying, I'm going to pray with you. We're going to pray together. It's that important. You stay and you trust and obey. That's the response is belief in Jesus Christ. You hear the words and you believe. 
We're going to work to our seventh point this morning. I'm going to go ahead and give it to you now. The seventh truth that I want to draw out here is the reward. And the reward is eternal life, salvation, and we enter the kingdom of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the gift. That is the reward. The crown of life. Salvation. Entering the kingdom of God. Pick your verse. All throughout that encounter, why are we talking about an eternal life and salvation? Verse 1, he wanted to know how to inherit eternal life. Verse 23, 24, 25, all three of them. Enter the kingdom, enter the kingdom, enter the kingdom. Jesus is making the point very clear in this encounter. And then in verse 30, we'll work to that real quick, briefly in a moment for the sake of time. But Jesus in verse 30, he says, you'll see him mention eternal life when I read it. That's the reward, eternal life. And it's so worth it. You remember at the very beginning, we talked about the room, the escape room, and you wanted out of that room. Well, John 14, verses 2 and 3 says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Brothers and sisters, that's rooms that we want in. We don't want out. And there's one way in. There's one way out of those escape rooms, and there's one way into those rooms, and it's Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. So after this man went away sorrowful, Jesus uses this as a teaching point with his disciples. He goes through with his disciples and he, he looks at them, he explains to them, and I'll kind of summarize a little bit here, but he tells them how difficult it is to enter this kingdom of God. And he specifically talks about the wealthy, those with things. And that's very true, because the more you have, the more it gets in the way, the more there is to pay for, the more there is to clean, the more there is to think about. Even if you are in here and you have so much wealth, you would agree to that statement. At least I hope. If not, I'm right and you're wrong. We'll leave it at that. Now, but no, I'm, I'm being serious. You would agree to that. It's more. It gets in the way. It's harder to deal with. But that's not the issue. The issue is your heart. The response, the discernment that when God calls you to surrender it and not put it before Him, you can answer that call. You value eternal life and you value Jesus Christ more than that. You discern the call and you answer it. It's hard because it does say that it's difficult for them. Matter of fact, it says it's harder than the camel pass the eye of new. That's pretty easy to see. It's impossible is what he's saying. But it's impossible for anybody to receive eternal life without Jesus Christ, without God. Because with God, all things are possible. And he uses that with them. And then in verse 30, I read at the beginning, so I'll just jump right to it. He says, you're going to receive all those things a hundredfold. Why does he say so much more now at this time? Because when I didn't know Jesus Christ, I had a family still within my walls. But when I came to know Jesus Christ, I inherited the body of Christ. I inherited all of you, my brothers and sisters. Because even if you don't like me, you're my brother and my sister. And we're in this together, right? And if I need something bad, you, I, can, I can come to you. Your house is my house in many ways. We inherit so much more brothers and sisters, so much more because we have each other. We have the body. But that don't come easy in this world. It comes with persecution because the world don't like that. The world pushes against us. That's why I keep saying we're in this together because we need each other. And more important than anything, we need Jesus Christ and we need to remind it of that this morning. But Jesus says it's so worth it. He says in the age to come, eternal life. There's that last one, that eternal life, that reward that Jesus mentioned. See, that's what it's all about. It's all worth it. 
the persecution, everything we face, we have each other and we get through this life and we have the crown of life, we have our reward. So I want to take a moment because we talked about puzzle and change and excitement at the beginning. Well, when it comes to salvation and inheriting eternal life, it's not a puzzle. It's real simple. You believe in Jesus Christ. There's no puzzle to it. There's no other way to it. But there is change. So whether we like change or not, if you raise your hand or not, it's going to come with change because you're born again. There's a new life. You're a new creation. Your sin you despise. Your sin you repent. Your sin disgusts you. And you truly repent of it and want to turn from it. That's change. And that's what happens. You would believe in Jesus Christ. But it is the most exciting thing that will ever happen in your life. Speaking of puzzle, change and excitement. I want to take a moment as we close this morning, I want to spend a moment and I want to reflect. I want to give you a moment to reflect, okay? As I'm talking right now, I want you to hear me, but I want you to be focused so much on God right now that it's so intentional by you this morning. Because I want you to reflect on your life right now. I want you to reflect on what's going on in your life. What's bugging you? What's weighing you down? What's wearing you out? What's, what are you not surrendering? What are you going to Jesus so much about, but maybe sometimes going to Him after the fact instead of before the fact? Who have you not forgiven? Where are you not surrendered? What's the idol in your life? And if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, I want you to reflect right now about the words that you're hearing right now. You're, you're hearing about how to inherit eternal life. You're hearing about Jesus Christ the way. And I want you to reflect on that this morning. I want you to be thinking in your mind, your heart right now, Don't talk it away. Don't debate it. Don't argue it. Surrender to it. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. As you're thinking about that, I want to say one more time. Have peace. Have joy. You have the reward of eternal life if you believe in Jesus Christ. Brother and sister, if you have inherited eternal life, you have no... Let that be where your value is. Let that be your reminder. You have all you need. Let us close in prayer.